0: Hey there, Georgia football fans. You are listening to episode 30 of the Waitin' Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall. First off, happy Thanksgiving to all of you, and thanks for taking the time out of your holiday plans to give our podcast a listen. Today, my co host Will Leach, Tony Waller, and I preview the 110th edition of Clean Old-Fashioned Hate. After losing to Georgia Tech in Athens last season, UGA looks to start another long winning streak versus the Jackets and take back the Governor's Cup this year. In this episode, the three of us give our thoughts on what we think will happen in Saturday's game and what the path to victory will be for the Dogs versus a listless 3-8 Tech team who already had their t-shirt moment of the season after their cute little win versus Florida State, which obviously didn't do much to inspire the team because they haven't won since. But let's not kid ourselves. UGA has its own issues, too. And we continue our narrative on the state of the UGA program after a harrowing win versus that Sunbelt team from Statesboro, and we further our conversation on whether or not there needs to be a change in the coaching staff. As far as this episode is concerned, since it is Thanksgiving week, the three of us were at separate locations for the recording of this show, and you might notice that Will sounds a bit subdued, almost whispering at times. Let's just say that at the time of this recording, it was real late at night, there were kids and extended family sleeping, and Will was being a respectable gentleman, not wanting to wake anyone by yelling at Tony and me throughout this episode. So put down that turkey leg and try to stay awake as the tryptophan starts to kick in. Here's Will to get us started.
1: Okay, so a couple things. First off, um... I think we've got two major topics to discuss. One, of course, is the specifics of this game. I want to ask a little bit, we discussed this earlier about how baffled I always am that because um, to me, Georgia Tech strikes me as a rivalry that is one-sided. Does Georgia Tech hate Georgia the most? Like, I think I understand Georgia's side. I don't quite understand Georgia Tech's side. Is their game of the year beating
0: Georgia? Yes. Okay. And Tony, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that's probably right.
2: Well, it has for the past 15 years felt like this is very much a bigger game for them. It is for us, especially the past, whew, I don't know, Scott, what would you say? Six years, it's felt like, oh, cool. We beat Tech yeah. Um, yeah. versus, I mean, a bit, but, you know, the, the difference from I mean, there's a huge generational difference too, Will, is that anybody, and, you know, I'm, I'm 47. I think anybody 55 and older would tell you unequivocally that Georgia Tech is georgia's biggest rival especially if they grew up in a certain time when georgia tech dominated the series in the way georgia has for the past it really since the last it really since coach rick came i'm really not trying to to bridge into our next part of our conversation mm-hmm. in in saying it that way but the fact of the matter is is yeah, it it's it has been very much a one-sided series and i think i think a lot of us think it's cute hey look his tech again and um, I, I think we should play them every year because they're in our in, in our state. But the, the fact of the matter is that it has meant much more to them to win than it has to us to win.
0: I guess in the past 25 years, Tech has won five times. So, I mean, that puts it in pers- a little bit of perspective. I think nine, 1990, the year that they won the co-national championship, they beat Georgia here in Athens. And then ever since then, starting in 91, And that's even in the Ray Goff years. I don't think he lost to Tech. Was he coaching in 1990? I don't know. But Jim Donnan, it was kind of his downfall because he lost three in a row to Georgia Tech in 98, 99, 2000. And and sandwiched in that 99 game was the Jasper Sanks fumble, which basically, in my opinion, was the impetus of instant replay.
1: (laughs) Maybe this will help us bridge into the conversation because here's another thing I don't understand about Georgia Tech. Paul Johnson's been the coach there. Obviously, he was at Georgia Southern. He was at Navy. He's been the coach there since 2008. Now, he had two really good years to start, and then he missed a bowl game. Then they won eight. Then they were 500. Then they went seven and six. Then last year, they had a pretty good year. They beat Georgia at the end of the season. But and maybe you guys may know more Georgia Tech fans than I do. I really don't know very many, but I don't get the sense, like they're three and eight this year, and I don't get the sense that they're ready to burn him alive. I will say, if Georgia were three and eight, I would definitely support, to firing Mark Richt, <laughs> to be as clear as possible. What are your expectations at Georgia Tech if the idea that a guy can go 3-8 and eight in a season where, listen, at <laughs> the beginning of the year, people were talking about, hey, the, the way they ended last year and the way they've got that, they, they were as high as 14th in the polls this year. They're 3-8. and eight. Is passion high enough for Georgia Tech football that he's in trouble, that people are furious, or, or, or where do they stand on that kind of like pendulum?
0: They really destroyed Mississippi State in the orange bowl. I mean that that goes a long way for tech, in my opinion. And they're coming off that, so I mean, this is kind of a freebie
1: yeah, in my th- opinion. They're three well, and, and eight.
0: It's got to be this last year.
1: Yeah, but they're yeah. three and eight. I mean, this has been like this is a bottoming out I mean you know again if you go back to our podcast that we had in mid-september I think at one point I even said like wow it's kind of setting up for Georgia Tech this year Georgia's got this injury and and, and the ACC is weak and this can, and they've got Notre Dame and then everything just completely fell apart do you guys have friends that are Georgia Tech fans are they furious or I mean are they are they angry I obviously passion is is stronger uh, for Georgia football but this would seem like a true disaster after what last happened last year
2: you know georgia tech fans they have an interesting self-preservation kind of place where they go to <laughs> when they aren't good at something that they think they should be good at and you know the first thing is they they make fun of of georgia's academics and then the next step it becomes extraordinarily self-depreciating before they actually circle the wagons decide to burn the place down they're in self-depreciating stage if you look back with paul hewitt and uh, in their basketball program, you know, they, they spent probably three seasons in the self-depreciating place. You know, they picked up a, a piece of joy here and there when they were able to fill a guy when Coach Fox came on board, for example. Uh, and yet they had a couple of decent seasons, but they're still in the self-depreciation stage. You know I, I saw a thread on and Sing Talk, which is one of their message boards, where they were making fun of the line. And I don't remember what the line is. And, Scott, you could probably pull it up pretty quickly, but it's it's fairly low. For and George's favor, and they were just making fun of how how that line is, is ridiculous. It should be higher. So they're not quite to the let's burn the place down stage. Um, and from
0: my perspective, I hope they keep Paul Johnson ten more years. <laughs> He's great in my mind. <laughs> you talking about the line for this game? Yeah, yeah, it's four and a half.
2: I was thinking four, but yeah, that sounds right. They were thinking it was close,
0: it should be closer to ten. Well yeah, I mean Alabama Auburn, you know, Alabama's 10 and 1, Auburn's 6 and 5, you know, there's about a five game four or five game spread difference. It's a five game spread for Georgia Georgia Tech and Alabama's favored by 13 and a half. Well, I don't think anybody's going to confuse Alabama's offense to Georgia's offense. No, no. Soon. But I'm just—I'm trying to. <laughs> hey, this is that whole transitive properties uh, yeah. thing that you like to talk about. I'm—I'm I'm trying to pull up the closest thing I can to it. And yeah, I'm not trying to make a claim that it should be any higher. You know, I think four and a half is about the right number.
1: Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll say that like to me, the surest sign that this isn't really a rivalry, or at least it's not a rivalry from Georgia's angle, is. And this could be our transition. There is a tearing of, a tearing out of hair and a rending of garments over everything going on with Georgia football. And Georgia Tech is a disaster this year and no one seems to be that upset. <laughs> and, and because they had a good end to last season, which by the way, so did Georgia. <laughs> and so other than it's Georgia Tech, but, um, cool.
2: go ahead, go ahead, Scott.
0: Tech had their T-shirt moment already this year, so they're happy. <laughs> right. Yeah,
2: they beat, and that's a good, that's a great point, Scott. They have had their T-shirt moment. I mean, they beat FSU, and that made their season. So let's, let's be clear: if they beat Georgia, they're going to have a field day. They really are, and they should. But the fact of the matter is, is that they've had their their little their corner of joy. There are a lot of again, a lot of old school Tech people that definitely want to win this game. But there will be as many Georgia fans in that stadium, despite all the uh, the you know discontent in our fan base. than there will be Georgia Tech fans. It doesn't hold a lot of people, but there'll be easily. It'll be half and half, or pretty close.
1: Man, that's crazy. I got to go to one of these games sometimes because that feels. I, w- I was always reminded when I would when I would cover uh, Knicks Nets games. The Nets, you know, our new fan base, and Knicks, you know, have this longtime fan base. And when the Nets played, when the Knicks played at the Nets, it felt like. Um, Oklahoma, Texas, or, if, uh, or or Illinois, Missouri in basketball, or you know one of those great fifty uh, fifty crowd games. But when the Nets played at the Knicks, it felt like like a hundred percent Knicks fans, <laughs> and it feels like that. Yeah. in this it feels like that in this. Like Georgia Tech, when Georgia plays at Georgia Tech, it it, it, it sounds like it's fifty fifty, and when Georgia Tech plays at Georgia, it's like a regular home game for Georgia. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well then, you know, then, then if this feels like a waste of a rivalry weekend. <laughs> like, if well, Georgia Tech can't bring more to it, it than that.
2: But here's here's the thing. I think this this game always seems to hinge when it comes to a couple of weird things. Uh, two years ago was the it was the Todd Gurley show in overtime when they just absolutely and there, there is nothing. Look, I like beating Tech, but there is nothing more than. Sc- just snatching hope away from them. <laughs> uh you know, we were down what was it, Scott? We were down twenty points or something at one point and mm-hmm. just fought back into the game and then And that was Hudson know,
0: Mason. Remember he had to come in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's Earth, right. Because uh Murray had torn his A C L uh the week or two weeks hurt, before. Hurt against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: you know, we come in there and that was uh you know, it was just that crowd turned so fast, Will. It they went from the middle of the third quarter from You know, literally they were about to, they were driving score to make it essentially a four score game to, Scott, you'll have to remind me, but if I remember right, we forced a fumble, maybe Herrera intercepted the ball. I don't remember what happened, but something, something happened defensively to turn it around and we'd go back and score. And you could see, you could
0: collectively feel it happening across all the tech bands of, Oh God, we're going to lose this game. And you could you could and also it, feel it with the Georgia fans because we had faith yeah. in our offense yeah. and knew that we would we were going to score. I can't yeah. say I can't say the same this year. If we're down twenty one points, we're screwed. We don't well, have a way to come back.
2: Yeah, that is not the way we need to be plowing fields.
1: Briefly, Tony, is there anything pressing with the team right now?
2: Um, Yeah, a couple of injury notes. Uh, Everything I saw about Keith Marshall indicates he will be back and will get to play against Tech. Trent Thompson and Isaiah McKenzie will be game-time decisions. The same goes with Greg Pike. As Jake Gaines said, they'd have to amputate my leg for me to not play in this
0: game. And it's going to be interesting to see Keith Marshall go go up against his brother, Marcus. Yeah. Is it Marcus? Yeah. Marcus Marshall? Uh, I think that's right, yeah. We'll go with Marcus. Sure. <laughs>
1: sure. I, know, I, know, I know him as Mark, but sure, you, 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 you guys are more formal. Um, <laughs> all right, so here's my question. You guys are sometimes a little bit closer to what's going on in the boards and what's going on to the chatter. To me, as ugly as last week was, and it was very ugly, they did still win the game, and so therefore I was like, well, it would have been a true disaster if they lost, but they didn't, so you know we can all move on that doesn't seem to be what's happened <laughs> people seem uh do you guys do you guys think that people are angrier uh after that game than they were before
2: I, you know i i think it's an interesting question i think people are as angry i don't know that i haven't had a good feel of that and part of that's been i've been out of the loop with what's been going on with some family and, and other obligations but I get the sense that no one's satisfied, and you know, I think I agree with you. Will lose to a three and eight George Tech team, and that changes the conversation significantly, even among those that are unwilling to say it's time to make a change. But I think the real question is what happens. I think the question you're you're not asking, but trying to get at is what happens if we win big. Uh, I'm not saying we will. I don't think we will. Uh, but what happens if we do? What happens if we pull a? You know, we do. <laughs> essentially
0: like what would, we did you know, against South Carolina
2: or or more importantly if George Tech does against us what they did against Miami but of course it's it, I think since you brought up South Carolina because earlier today I was thinking like man this thing feels like it could be a South Carolina game now I go back to well but FSU but if we come out here and we score 45 points on them and the offense clicks and the defense plays really like uh, to be perfectly honest, again, like the dead against Georgia Southern, I, I don't. I think there's still going to be a lot of people that aren't happy, but I think it 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 tones the rhetoric
0: down. Well, I think um, in regards to your question about Georgia Southern, I mean, we were there. Mm-hmm. I was there with my boys till the end of the game, and it was e- exhilarating. It was exciting. It was nerve wracking. And then that that one and done play, I was trying to explain to them. Mm-hmm. I was like, "You just don't see this. This is fantastic. It's pandemonium." And in the moment, it was awesome. But then as you leave the stadium, you start walking home. Your kids ask you questions about, wow, that was a great win. And then you're thinking, like, was it? Was it really a great win? And then, you know, you start going through the whole, wow, we're 8-3 again. We're kind of going to a, we're not sure where we're going to go. We're going to go to a Gator Bowl. Maybe we'll, hopefully we'll beat Tech. You know, you start rolling through all these things in your head. And then I think the interesting thing is thinking back to, I don't know if y'all saw it, but, just the what ifs, like there were two that stuck out in my head. Um, and I can't say I came up with this on my own. I was doing some reading and poking around, but that catch by Terry Godwin that could have easily been overturned. That ball moved a little bit as he was going out of bounds. And luckily they, maybe coach Rick knew that or something. And that's why they went ahead and kicked the extra point very quickly. The refs didn't even look at it. Um, I saw the replay and I was like, eh, that, that could have gone either way. How, how, uh, devastating would that have been? And then also, I read some interesting article. I can't. I can't even credit who it was, but it was basically talking about Nathan Theus. I don't know if you read this, Tony. Um, the long snapper on the punt before the, the the punt before they fumbled. Georgia Southern was setting up one of those uh, patented Utah fake returns where they were drawing everybody to one side, and Coach Rick. in the article credited Nathan Theus for sniffing that out because he'd seen that on film even though they they hadn't talked about it th- that week, and he went after and covered the punt returner, let it bounce and go out of bounds. But Coach Rick was quoted in the article saying if he if Nathan Theus had not gone over to that side knowing what was going on, he would have had the whole run of the field to score a touchdown. And so those two things in that game made me pause and thinking like, wow, we really did sneak by by the skin of a toothbrush, as Larry Munson would have said.
1: <laughs> there were certainly times in that game where... When Georgia Southern was driving late, like it felt like they were going to lose. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. It, it certainly felt like Georgia was going to lose this game. Did you have that feeling, Tony?
2: The only time I really felt like we were going to lose the game was after the, the fumble return for the touchdown. And I got to be honest. I was, I was happy how the team responded to that. Um, you know, that's, but that's, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Scott. I really do. But, you know, the converse to that is, well, if I'm a, Isaiah McKenzie doesn't drop that ball and return it for a touchdown, or if Mitchell goes down instead oh, yeah. of striving for that extra yard inside the 10 um, and doesn't fumble the ball, we score a touchdown or at least put three more points on the board. Yeah, I mean, it's football. Yeah, that's, is, and that's football. Yeah, that's football. Yeah. that's, football. that's yeah. football. That's exactly right. I think the harder thing for – I think now I think the legitimate thing, if you want to talk about legitimate things that, that people should be upset about, is that we as a program – should be on any given day better than overtime 6 points better than Georgia Southern. Uh now, you know, over the course of history there are times when that's not always going to be the case. Even on a game-to-game basis may it might happen on a one one off basis. But I think it's safe to say this year that for whatever reason our offense is such that Georgia Southern and Georgia are fairly evenly matched. And that's, you know, Georgia Southern that means Georgia Southern is actually really good for Georgia Southern and Georgia is fairly down for Georgia. And I think that's the thing that people are having a hard time getting their head around. Will mm. to to kind of get back to answering your question, but that also leads me to my next thing is you know we talk about records and we talk about you know George is now eight and three and I understand and I, I'm with you on that. I absolutely am with you on that. Is a you have to look at wins and losses as the most objective statement of success, but people who are upset that we. Have had this kind of season, even though we're eight and three, and, and can legitimately say the season is a pro as much a product of our opponents, which some of which we can't control, right? Um, that, that people get upset about that. Now, I don't necessarily entirely buy that the overarching you know well the SEC has been up so Georgia should have won a national championship whatever I don't I don't buy that but if just looking at from this season alone um eight and three feels a little down because of how Georgia's schedule has shaken out because you know our best our best win is going to be Georgia Southern (laughs) uh maybe maybe Auburn but uh, our best win is probably going to be Georgia Southern
1: well and you know this leads this leads to um you know kind of the other thing we we're talking about about fan expectation and i understand here okay i have two larger questions two major questions one if georgia because the problem with the game with the with last week's game and the auburn game and now this week's game is there's nothing really good a win gets you and a loss is you know armageddon is that was it Do you think that's a fair assessment no one's going to be like, oh, awesome win, great job, now we feel better. Maybe if they score 45, maybe, but I have to say I'm, I, I don't get that sense. I think that one of the things that both play – I think is a plague on Georgia fans, but also I think frankly speaks to you know why Georgia is such a powerful program is this notion that like after the Florida loss – I kind of getting a sense that there was nothing Georgia could do. (laughs) Like, there's just—is that a fair assessment? Like, there's no the rest after the Florida loss. No matter what happened, the rest of the year, it was not really going to stop people from calling for change. Is that? Do you think that's an accurate statement or not?
0: There were no good wins left, and so there wasn't anything to look at the calendar saying, "Okay, when we play number four Auburn." You know, that could really be a jump start to getting us on the path. And if Tech were going into our, this game with two losses, we could ruin their season or something. There was just, it was just kind of like a, uh, yeah, yeah and, I think you're right.
1: And, but I get that, and I get that. But what I don't get is how that ties to Mark Rick's future. <laughs> is If Georgia Tech were good this year, and listen, for a long time this year it looked like they were going to be good, this would be an impressive win if they didn't win this game. But because they didn't, you know, I think on one hand the fan expectations are good because they expect... A championship. On the other hand, I think they can ultimately be self-defeating because, you know, if you don't like at a certain level, like you know college football is a rare thing there you know you guys live in athens the the whole city shuts down the whole town shuts down uh during a Georgia home game, even the later ones <laughs> when uh when they're playing Georgia Southern everyone's kind of disappointed in the season. It's the biggest event the football camp the football stadium is in the middle of the campus, which is in the middle of the town it runs everything people spend there are many many people we all know that have full time jobs because of Georgia football. It is a mess for the seven games where they play in in Athens or six I guess next year um so it's a big deal. So it seems to me a waste on one hand to be like, well, half of the season is a loss. It's loss if there's no point to it because it's not. Like These are real games that we all get excited about and, and should be into. But to the larger point, to me, what worries me about that idea and and Scott, I may want to. I, I think we could. Uh, soon, I might want to talk about your friend's uh, kind of cool thing that I disagree with a little bit, but it's certainly well put together. Uh, he kind. But we'll talk about that in a second. But I do think that at a certain level, expectations can become poisonous. I think that at a certain level, if the bar is set so high that if you lose a game in October and everybody stops caring, I think it actually hurts the program more than it helps. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm too new to see that, but uh, I'll put it this way. If Mark Richt is run out of town, and I don't think he's going to be, but again, we'll see what happens with Georgia Tech. If he's run out of town, to me that sends kind of a dangerous message to anyone that might want to come here after him to say that, like, you know what? You have to win the championship or nothing. And listen, maybe it's very easy for a guy like Jeremy Pruitt, who I think is a good coach, and I think speaks and represents a uh, a lot of why are we not better? We cannot accept mediocrity, so on, so on, so on. Speaks to that side that people have about SEC football in a larger sense in Georgia, uh, in a smaller sense. But if it really is national championship or bust, or playoff or bust, or we don't, we stop caring after October if we lose the Florida game is there a point where that job becomes less desirable where it goes over to the bell curve and you're like, well, I'm never going to be able to please these people.
2: Well, I, I think part of your answer is yes. I think we're already seeing some of that come to fruition. I think the days of, especially at a program in the sec, uh, especially a top tier program in the sec, the days of a coach coming and staying for 10 years without winning multiple national championships is over. You've seen what's happening in Baton Rouge. Uh, You're seeing what's happening in Athens. People are getting tired of Kevin Sumlin's on his third season, Um, which is frankly ridiculous because Texas A&M is kind of historically an 8-5 and program. So, you know, part of that is we have, I hate to say Coach Rick is a victim of his own success, but the fact of the matter is is that We as a fan base are just like many, many other fan bases out in the SEC SEC is that we think and we we actually insist that we are in the hunt for national championships on a year-end basis. And the time we don't get in that is when we start to get disgruntled with the program. And then you add in something else that that the longevity factor is that it's just easier to be upset with Mark Rick because he's been here a long time. It's easier to find reasons to not like what's happened because he's been here a long time. Because we have – I think people have – Given up, given him the benefit of the doubt, and which is fair. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that because it's easier to argue a negative than it is uh, anything else. It's easier to say, well, he hasn't won one yet. What makes you think he's going to win one now? And and that's I'm, I'm not saying that's fair or unfair, but it is. It, there's no arguing with that objective fact. Um, but that I also think that is the nat- very nature of major college football among a certain group of schools now. You know, I think the days of Frank Beamer, or even for that matter, Bob Stoops, uh, is over. I think that time's over. It just is. This uh, college football has now become much more like the NFL. I think the idea of a, a long term professional football coach, that's going by the wayside. You know, I'm trying to think who has been a coach for a long time that may have won, you know, quote unquote, merely won the Super Bowl or whatever. Who's been there longer than five or six years? And you know, right now, I can't think of anybody. Yeah, you know, it's I guess fu- Tomlin has been there for. I think well, yeah, how long's Tomlin been there now?
1: It's been a while, not quite. But I frankly not as long as Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis is a great example of a guy what? that like make. It's funny because Marvin Lewis is actually a fight against my point. The idea of, he's actually been really successful without really ever breaking through for an extended period of time, but has stayed there, I think, for what a lot of people argue the reasons that Rick has stayed there. He's comfortable with the people that that run the place, he sets a certain sort of tone, but there are a lot of people that think that he's never going to, really, what Marvin Lewis is doing is kind of insane, (laughs) that he'd be able to do that for so long in the NFL, but... You know, I think that is a rarity, and I think actually speaks more towards Cincinnati's happiness making a profit.
0: Are you As kicking? A, yeah. Are you kicking Cincinnati since your Arizona Cardinals just beat them this week?
1: Oh, please! I, I <laughs> that was that was a good, hey. Listen, that Cincinnati team was a lot better than I thought they were, and I think this is probably the best team they've had for a while. But I do think that, like, I will say, it's hard to imagine another franchise in the NFL, including the Arizona Cardinals, who are always terrible until the last couple of years. Um, that would let a coach coach for ten years without ever winning a playoff game.
2: <laughs> like it's kind of but, crazy. But well, my point is, is that if you were to if you were to sincerely, sincerely base it on that, Mark Richt has won a playoff game. I mean, mm-hmm. not not in that way, but Georgia's won uh, in his fifteen years. we won two two SEC championships, been in two more, but. The fact of the matter is, is that now the college game, especially in among a certain group of programs, has now become much more like the program. You've got to about four years to get to the mountaintop, or really close. And if you don't, it's gonna. I mean, Chip Kelly is likely to get moved out this year after two seasons because they're they've gone from thirteen and three to a likely three and thirteen season.
1: You're already seeing Charlie Strong getting ripped yeah. out. He's in his second year.
2: Yeah, it's in the second year. So, you know, and that's fine. If that's where we are, I don't. I, I wish our program were not like that. I'd like to have some moral superiority other, over other programs. But if we don't, we don't. And that's the world we live in.
0: Well, I think I think the part on your statement that people would take issue with would be that we stop caring after a loss in October. I don't think it's really caring. I think it's just the frustration piles up. Mm-hmm. And then to what Tony said, the fact that you've got – Uh, head coach that's been there for 15 years you can point back and say hey he's only done this and this amount of time or this if it had been turnover and he was only on his fourth year you wouldn't have that history to be able to point at and I think that that's where the the frustration sets in I don't think caring Mm -hmm. is the the fact I mean we could like Tony said in our last podcast we could be O for the season and I would still care and I would still show up at the home games and try to, you know, pull them to victory, you know, and, and enjoy my time there. But then I would leave frustrated or I would leave when Grayson Lambert bounce passes a ball to Isaiah McKenzie in the third quarter like he did on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I
2: was probably – Yeah,
0: by the way, hashtag stuff that really happened.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and I, it, you're right. And, and to, I'm probably being a little bit uh, too loose with my language when I say the word care. Uh, you're right. Uh, certainly I was at that game. Uh, people cared. There's no question:
2: I think what you're actually getting at is that people turn from supporting the coach to not supporting the coach. I, mean, I spent a lot of time yesterday thinking about the very question, and it's interesting Scott sent what you sent because I had thought about that very thing. It, you know the fact of the matter is, is I think college football is different now. I thought the Braves actually was an interesting analogy that we, he brought up on Sunday because you know we, there are there a group of Braves fans that can utterly vilify Bobby Cox. Because he only won one World Series, and was there 14 years. But, I mean, fans fans of, of a certain mindset have a hard time enjoying that because we're never going. To, that's never going to happen again. We're never going to see a team utterly dominate their division in that way. The closest we came were the Yankees in what the 50s and 60s, and maybe the Cardinals in the 50s and 60s on the National League side. And, and there were eight teams in each league then. It's hard for us to appreciate. We we as fans, and I include myself in that, we as fans place the hardware that goes in the trophies above all else. And that's if that's what we're going to be, that's what we're going to be. I don't know any other way around that.
1: Do you think there's any way – first off first off Scott I, I feel like we've we've talked about your friend's thing you should you should tell us what it is the listeners haven't read it it's only been in our email you should it's only been in our email you should tell us uh what this is that he said around. With, which i found i found compelling even when i disagreed uh, in in a few parts
0: let me just read the first paragraph i think that would yeah, do better justice so. to it than me just trying to bad lib okay mm-hmm. so Basically what my buddy said, you know, he's a very introspective guy and he plotted on an X, Y axis, uh, the temperature of how coach Rick's coaching career at Georgia has been over the past 191 games. And so I'm going to read his opening paragraph. The graph below represents a statistical, represents a statistical chart of Rick's career at UGA, the X axis or individual games starting with game one in 2001, a 45, 17 win over Arkansas state. Moving to the right and ending up with game 191 this past weekend in Jacksonville. Yes, he did this after the Florida loss. The y-axis are the scores that I handed out as of each game, which I think is a measure of the collective temperature of the fan base as of that game. One is as low as it can be, meaning the fan base is ready to run Coach Rick off, And ten is the highest level of optimism for the future. I think the numbers themselves are pretty self-explanatory, but the trends can also tell us quite a bit. And then he goes into plotting it, and you know the highlights really are at the beginning of his career naturally where it's right at a 10, you know, the 2002 SEC championship team, and then it moves along and meanders along uh, to about an 8 or a 9 temperature and then bottoms out in 2010 after the Colorado loss, which we can all agree was pretty brutal. And then it, t- it takes about two years to climb back to a 7 or 8, uh, temperature reading for Coach Richt, um, you know, and that coincides with the 2011 defeat to LSU and the SEC Championship game, and then the 2012 loss to Alabama. But then again, it drops down to about a four, five, six level for uh, 2013 14, and then he has it to where it starts the beginning of this year at about an eight, and then after the Florida game, it drops all the way to a two.
1: All right, so I looked at this and I thought it was well put together and well uh, and interesting. Um, uh, I found it also seemed to me to be a little reverse engineered. It seemed to be someone using math to justify their already existing desire to fire Mark Richt. I will say that a little bit in that, uh, A, I think that, like, you know, using uh, something as as vague as. Temperature point. How angry we are at him uh, at, 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 for any franchise is asking for trouble. It's not really a data point. A and B. I, I don't know if the best way to gauge the health of a program is fan reaction. And I know people are going to disagree with that. <laughs> I know people are going to disagree with that, particularly when they've uh, um, when when they've been watching that guy coach for for, for 15 years. But you know, I, I'm I'm always wary of how fans are reacting to someone at a particular moment you know bill simmons wrote uh years ago and has since refuted this notion that the fans always know the fans don't actually always know the fans are wrong sometimes and 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 for me i don't know if they're wrong in this particular circumstance but to me what a lot of that well thought out and well put together thing uh said to me was it was less that Richt had failed or done something wrong, there's a couple things in there. Like, imagine a chart like this for, like, Auburn, for example. (laughs) Like, Auburn would, would be, it would be an EKG. It would be constant up and down like crazy and, um... And on one hand, we've discussed Auburn and its relation to Georgia in the past. But on the other hand, you know, I do feel like there is something, A, to stability, and B, to the idea that, like, he kind of charts it out a little bit, like a bell curve. Or, like, obviously, at one point, I think he he talks about how, at at the rate we're going, it's going to take another 37 games for us to come back and get to the top again. But that's not actually how football works. Well, how football works is you have the players to get you there. And, you know, it's it's always strange to me to see the number of people that will criticize Richt for... Uh, not getting the most of his talent, but then also argue that <laughs> that that the program is in a shambles. Like to me, the the best proof that the program is not in a shambles is recruiting. And you can argue whether Rick is getting more or less out of that uh, out of those talents that he should. But th- to me, like you know, recruiting has gone up in recent years. That, that that that's up in a lot of ways. And I think that I think that I'll take that as a measure of how a program is doing over-fan reaction to a point. I think a fan reaction really turns against someone in a un, in a way that's irrevocable. I think it doesn't matter how good of a recruiter you are, you're done. I don't think Georgia is at that point yet, but I do think that point does arrive eventually. Um, but I also think that this idea that because the fans are mad A move has to be made is a dangerous one but of course you know we're talking all this time about georgia never winning a title and how and how that doesn't win you anything Les miles won a title (laughs) and they're still ready to run him out of real because he had three bad weeks in a row so your one thing tony you touched on i think is really is really interesting is it might just be a different environment now and i might just be this old-fashioned person who thinks that stability is a value and maybe it isn't
2: yeah. And the, one of the things I would, I would say about that, Scott, and yeah, I, 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 I think I felt the same way Will did. I, I liked that. I thought it was a very interesting perspective of kind of how to view Mark Rick's career. Um, but the, 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 question I had from it is, are we, are we closer to getting there with Mark Rick in three seasons than we are with coach X? And, you know, the thing about that, that, that makes me wonder is that we're, we're not going to hire a football coach with a national championship on their resume. That's not happening. Anybody that thinks we're going to go out and get Urban Meyer or Nick Saban or um, Jimbo Fisher, even. we go Jimbo Fisher. We could end up with Gene Chizik, but oh god, <laughs> um, I take that back. So, but you know, the the fact of the matter is, is we're not we're not going to go hire a national championship coach. We're going to hire someone who we hope gets us a national championship. So that kind of gets to the last paragraph of what your buddy said is that he just wants hope, and if that's what we're talking about. It's a really hard way to run an athletic program. No, I'm Again, I'm willing to admit that I have a different view than a lot of people, and it's hard for me to make an argument using objective facts when people want to argue the negative with me, uh, which is, well, Mark Rick hasn't won a championship. Don't you think he's had plenty of chances to do so? Well, we're going to want a coach with proven experience. We're going to want a coach that has shown that they can, quote-unquote, win at the highest level. Well, if we're going to hire somebody that's Mark Rick but hasn't been here for the past 15 seasons. What are we doing this for?
0: Yeah, and I think um, to also kind of finish my thoughts on his graph, I think that I kind of key in on his paragraph where he says, Could Coach Rick do it? Probably so. He can fall into enough talent in and around Georgia. And he has good assistance on staff, and, which, and that's
1: why. For the record, that's not fair. Like, I don't think you fall.
0: Yeah, I, know, that, I, I agree with that.
1: <laughs> I, I, I I understand that. Like Georgia is a is uh, is a great place to get talent. It's certainly uh, you can get. There's a lot. It's not like trying to recruit North Dakota. Like, no question. There's a lot of good talent there, but you don't just fall into it. Like Alabama wants those players too. <laughs> Florida wants those players too. Like, I do think. I feel like it's unfair to to say, "Hey, why doesn't he get more talent?" And also, oh well, he falls into talent. Or why doesn't he do more at the talent? Well, he falls into Like he's like, come on, he, he's he's getting guys quarterbacks from Washington. He's obviously doing something right. But yes, I, I I don't want to I don't want to dismiss your point, which I think is a good one. So I should shut up and let you make it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's fine. No, that's fine. I think I think basically what this uh, article that he wrote means is that. I think I think this really taps into frustration points from the fans. Uh, I'm not saying I completely uh, fall into this, but I would say that I'm more on the side of this uh, article. And I know it's very emotional, and I know it's you know falls into the whole temperature gauge. But I would say that this kind of resonates with me a little bit, not to this extreme. I don't I don't think he needs to be fired. I think this is a good uh, example of the general feel for people that aren't Will, Scott, and Tony that are either making do- making donations or maybe they you know are from Loganville have never been to Athens but they're they're Georgia fans and that's not a sham at Loganville. I'm just mm-hmm. picking a city. But I think it's just that's just the general tone and naturally it's matched because that's what you hear. And that's what the the guys like Jeff Schultz and Mark Bradley are kind of uh kowtowing to
2: I'm sorry you lost me when you mentioned Schultz and Bradley. <laughs> I know you had, I, I <laughs> you had me until then.
0: You had me until then. Okay.
1: You know, and I think that's true. On the other hand, you know, I—I
0: I I mean, we're just three guys at the podcast, I, you know. And I, I think that even the Chelsea ten- Bradley are two guys with blah, with uh, with columns. Look, <laughs> I, I don't—I don't read them either. I mean, I could have thrown out Bill Connolly or somebody else. They were just the first two guys that came to mind.
2: No, I'm I'm just giving you a hard time. I thought it was interesting that Will Bond Will Bond railed on on people who uh, quote unquote uh, are sitting in the basement, throwing this crap at the wall or something on. The exact same day that Schultz and Bradley both threw the most blog post of all, all pejorative blog post, the the the, the you know pejorative blog posty things possible. Uh, Bradley with a five paragraph thing with really no point other than to say that Georgia would be stupid to keep Rick if if LSU is getting
0: rid of Miles. And then the way I look at it is, I'm one of three people that do a podcast, and we all have our points and opinions and everything. And I think the majority of people feel the way that this article reads that my friend wrote. I just have a hunch and I have, I don't have any data to be, I haven't gone and taken a poll or anything with people, but from what I gather, what I hear from neighbors or people at the games and then friends that I'm talking to, uh, around town, this is the general feeling. Is it right? I don't know. I don't think we need to dump Rick after the season because yeah, like you and, and, uh, like Tony and Will says, it's going to be possibly a 10 and three season, even nine and four, you're trending the right way and you're not going to win a national championship or an sec championship every year.
1: And I, and to me that that's the interesting thing about this is, you know, the idea, you said something interesting earlier that reminds me a little bit of actually the current presidential race, which is that (laughs) it's not necessarily a fact based conversation. It's an emotion based conversation. And you know, a certain level. I, you guys, are, have a better feel for the fan base and the emotion of it than I do. To me, it doesn't seem like the emotion level has reached quite high enough that you can throw out what I think are basic facts. But once, but th- that's not to say that it cannot happen. And and I, it, does a Georgia Tech loss do that? Maybe, maybe it does. Like, oh, yeah. I think, oh, I think yeah. it would
0: definitely, yeah.
1: But but uh, for me, you know. You know-
0: I, I wonder. I wonder. I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, I no. wonder. I wonder if a Georgia Tech win. Okay, we go to nine and three, but then a horrible showing in a ball game like we did against Central Florida in 2010. Would that then tip it? You know, I'm not sure it wouldn't. You know, just I, I, a, a, I hope a bowl game.
1: I hope a ball game wouldn't. I like A ball game has so many weird variables and they're like impossible to predict. I would hope that it wouldn't come to that. But I suppose. I mean, I don't know. What do you get? Like, what do you think, Tony? Do you think a, a bad ball game would spoil a, ba- a weird? Music City Bowl on December thirtieth would would sour someone or no?
2: It probably depends on the opponent and and how we lost and why and that sort of thing. Most, I, I think ball games are so weird that it's a harder, it's a little harder thing to to a little harder thing to say. I think it does bring up a larger point is that. You know, I don't think there's any doubt that Georgia's football team is still playing hard for Coach Rick. That's probably not something you can say and try to loop this back to Georgia Tech. Something you can say about Georgia Tech's football team—they had two guys quit in the past two weeks. Two guys that were playing quit in the past, quit the football team in the past two weeks. That's our South Carolina's team for that matter. Um those well, think, are about, think about around, Ohio State. Ezekiel I was just Elliott, thinking that. Just thinking that. Yeah. Well, yeah, Ohio State. Well that's you know, there I think anybody that paid any attention to college football about Urumar would would have predicted that was coming at some point. So Imagine um,
1: it's worth noting, imagine if at some point in the last three or four weeks if if um Sonny after the game says, I don't know why he's starting that guy at quarterback. Or I don't know what the game plan was today. Like it's an it's yeah. it's it's a, it's an explosion and justifiably so. But we didn't see that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, we got some picks to make. We do have some picks to make. Are you changing
1: the subject? It's probably time.
2: No, I mean I'm just saying this. <laughs> just... We have We, got, we got some. And plus, uh, plus, will will has to get Callaway Garden here about an hour. So <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. Well, um, well, I've got the picks queued up. And uh, it's actually a very good slate, obviously. Uh, so, with it being the last week of the season, I'm I'm still trying to get over Tony's slate from last week. It was pretty deplorable, <laughs> but uh, we we hash that out face to face. I'm not going to trash your picks uh, on the on the Skype. But anyway. I think it's perfectly fair. I know, I know. Oh, okay, so I've uh I've kind of moved these around a little bit to based on based on my level of engagement. And I'm starting with the least engaged, um, so you can take that for what it's worth. For in my opinion, what the lo- the least favorable games all the way up, all the way up to the top. So Louisville, Kentucky, then yeah, Louisville at Kentucky. <laughs> 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 yeah. Maybe y'all can try to predict what's next.
1: I I I thought Kentucky was going to have more of a breakthrough year than they did uh, in a lot of ways. That uh, that loss. Last week, they're not going in the right direction in the way, even in the minor incremental way that you need them to go. So uh, I'm picking Louisville.
0: Yeah, I'll take Louisville also. I don't like Louisville. I don't like Bobby Petrino, and I'm going to pick Kentucky. Fair enough. All right, uh, UCLA at <laughs> Southern Cal.
2: I got I to gotta say held to the victors here. Um, I, I don't know why. It seems like every other year something wacky happens in this game. It seems like it's Southern Cal's time for something wacky to happen for them.
1: Yeah, I think they've actually been generally better. I think UCLA may actually we'll to see who USC hires. But I think UCLA they've got a quarterback that's gonna be awesome in a couple of years, and so I think they're set up well then. But they've been a disappointment this year and USC I would argue hasn't, so I'm taking also isn't this for like their half of the big twelve? I think the winner of this game I think faces uh I guess it's yeah, Stanford. 12, guess it's uh, Stanford. The yeah. 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 So yeah. Um so I think uh I think in USC.
0: I read somewhere this week that UCLA is wearing a helmet decal that honors the Navy SEALs or the frogmen, as they're called. Um, and so they're actually going to have a frog on the side of their helmet, which is their the frogmen's logo. So I cannot go against UCLA if they're doing that. I'm going to pick UCLA.
2: Can I note? So what you're saying is you personally like Jim Mora and would like for him to come out to coach
0: the Falcons. I didn't say anything about Jimmy Mora. <laughs> <laughs> I just like their I like their helmet choice for this so, week.
1: So UCLA is wearing that helmet.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, you, you, uh, f- uh,
1: perhaps the most famous USC football player of all time, the last the project that he was working on when he was arrested for murdering his uh, ex wife was OJ Simpson in Frogman. There was actually a he was he was filming a pilot about he wow. was the head of a group of Frogmen uh, for NBC. He was he- filming a product uh, when when he was framed. For murdering his wife,
2: allegedly. Isn't, oh, yes? Isn't that his? It wasn't it wasn't that right for his next big project called You've Been Juiced?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I actually watched that and wrote about it, and my soul has never been the same. He's, he was great <laughs> as Nordberg. He, he was great as Nordberg. I will give him that. He was well. You Nordberg. did not really watch that and write about it. I did. That is in fact true. I did that for the Black Table way back in the day. I watched. I watched. Oh uh, my god! You've been juiced. At one point, he. <laughs> At one point, he he uh, went to a Bronco dealership and watched oh, the guys bro. drive. And he would go to the uh, to the dealer and be like, "Hey man, I want to buy this white Bronco." To be like, "What? It's OJ? Why?" <laughs> and that was what they did. It was it was like the stupidest thing I'd ever seen. It was it was and it was unmissable.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: Wow! All right, moving on.
1: Moving on. How can we move on from that?
0: (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Our friend Doug, Dale, uh, Darren for the Vanderbilt fan. I can't remember Uh, Mitch. I don't know the guy that was tweeting Tony and me. D. Wet? Huh? Not D. Wet. It wasn't D. Wet, was it? I don't know. I don't know what it was. I've forgotten. Uh, Hit us up if you remember, dude. Whatever your name is. Uh, Vanderbilt at Tennessee. Vanderbilt is four and seven, and they are a seventeen and a half point underdog. I think Texas A&M just scored again. Hold on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Vanderbilt's Tennessee, missed this window. I'm yeah, I'm moving on. Vanderbilt's yeah. missed this window.
0: Yeah, Tennessee's going to win. Uh, Missouri at Arkansas. Arkansas's favored by 13 and a half.
1: Yeah, I, I think Arkansas is going to kill him.
0: You know, as much as I'd like
2: to see Missouri win this game and actually get it into a ball game for Pink Hole, I just don't think they have enough. But it's Arkansas, so I'm going to say there's going to be something really wacky go down at the end of the game. But Arkansas still wins it.
1: Also a handy Friday game, by the way. Very nice day after
2: Thanksgiving.
0: Extraordinarily handy. Extraordinarily. Although, although I do miss the LSU-Arkansas Friday after Thanksgiving matchup. Now that we have two new teams in the SEC that screwed that up.
1: <laughs> You're still so angry. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Who'd you pick in that game? I
0: picked. I picked Arkansas. Okay. I, I hadn't made it at, uh, known yet, but um, so anyway, should. moving on. Moving on. Uh, Navy at Houston. I want. Well, you're going to
2: pick the Frogman. I'll pick. I'll pick Houston. I mean Navy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm picking. I I I I actually picked Houston in this, just because I I as nice as Navy has been, like I still like this. They're all kind of eating each other in this in this conference. Like Navy's, like they're, they're, everyone's losing. Like th- there was a chance for this for the for, for the power. This is as good as the power fi- pipe are gonna have it. Like they they had a conference with had like three or four solid teams. One of them could have gone undefeated, and I think made an argument in the way this year has fallen. But they've all they've all eaten each other alive. So uh, I'm taking Houston.
0: I am taking Navy, and I do hope and I do think that Keenan Reynolds, their quarterback, their record-setting quarterback, should definitely get an invite to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. What do you all think?
1: I'm down with that. I'm down with that. New yeah. York's a beautiful
0: city. Yeah, why not? Little we'll <laughs> roger stop back. All right, uh, moving on. Baylor at TCU.
1: I think Baylor is going to destroy TCU. I think Baylor is actually Baylor is a team if, of all those teams, including Oklahoma. If I were a playoff team, Baylor is the one I'd be most scared of right now.
2: There is something, I, you know. I started with TCU at the beginning of the season. There's something about this game that just makes me think the home team's going to win. I'm going to stick with TCU. I've read I've read, I started out in August saying they were a playoff team. Clearly, they're not going to be, but I still think TCU wins it.
0: Is Boykin back? I
1: don't think they
2: know. Uh,
0: you know, that's a, that's that's a good question. They don't know yet. Yeah. Well, you know what amazes me is that Baylor, they lost their starting quarterback. His name escapes me, what, about three or four weeks ago with that chipped Mm -hmm. facet bone in his neck. Mm -hmm. Um, Not Jared Stidham, the other one. Yeah, yeah, the other one. And then Jared Stidham gets hurt in the game last week, and their third-string quarterback comes in and just starts killing it, you know, passing. And I was sitting there thinking, like, wow, Baylor has three legit passers, and we have zero.
2: Baylor has a legit uh, a legit uh, offensive scheme that works really well for good passers.
1: I was going to say, if I were a quarterback at a high school, I'd want to go to Baylor. Yeah. Actually, that's not true. If I wanted to show off for pro scouts and not necessarily put a bunch of numbers, I, like, I might be like Jacob Eason and go to Georgia instead of Baylor. But if I wanted to put up a bunch of numbers, I would go to Baylor.
0: Because of that, I'm going to pick Baylor. All right. Uh, another game I don't really care about, Ohio State at Michigan.
2: I feel like this is. That, uh, this makes no sense to me, Scott.
0: Big Ten, Big Ten.
1: Oh come on! It's like a story as a rivalry as there is in sports.
0: No, and I, I'm so over it too. <laughs> I'm so over it.
1: It's finally gotten good again. <laughs> um, I, I love it. Like to me, I mean, this is what we. This is what I have enough friends that are Michigan fans that like they've just been wanting to be competitive with Ohio State. Uh, in this game, the last couple of years. And now they're favored. And Ohio State, like, to me, I still feel like Ohio State's more talented. But man, if, I'll put it this way if, if, if Urban can come back from that meltdown across the board last week and beat a Michigan team that adores its coach and, and is, is getting better every week, I will be really impressed. I don't see how, how, how Michigan doesn't win this game.
2: Yeah. Uh, Ohio State's a team in disarray. Mm-hmm. And uh, on top of that, um, it's gonna. I think it's going to be an ugly game. Michigan hasn't looked great the past three, really four games. Uh, but I think Ohio State's got some They got some things going down. Michigan wins.
0: There's two coaches I'll always pick against, and that's Bobby Petrino and Urban Meyer. So I'm going to go with Michigan. Fair enough. Notre Dame at Stanford.
1: This is a, an awesome game theory uh, game because I really want the playoff to be chaotic at this point.
0: Oh, you've subscribed to what Tony wants, chaos. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I
1: really do. And to me, the best route to chaos is Notre Dame losing this game and then Stanford losing in the Pac-12 championship game. So I, uh, yeah. uh, so Stan- Notre Dame looked pretty bad last week. They were at Fenway Park. It's kind of a weird game. But I I, I think Stanford is all around actually the better team. I'm picking Stanford.
2: Yeah, if Stanford manages to get, you know, do what they do best, and that's like Christian McCaffrey run the ball. I think they win. If they get fancy and start trying to throw the ball a bunch, they don't. But I think I think Shaw's going to stick for McCaffrey and, and, and Sanford wins.
0: Yeah, I was watching the Stanford-Cal game last week late night and was fascinated by Christian McCaffrey, and I was, I was interested to learn that he's Easy Ed McCaffrey's son, mm-hmm. the guy from the mm-hmm. Broncos mm-hmm. back in the day, mm-hmm. and uh, he's another guy that should get an invite to New York from what he's done. And so I'm going to go with uh, Stanford as well.
1: Ed McCaffrey was awesome on Super Tech Mobile. By the way,
0: that is a that is a fact. <laughs> uh, all right, so this is right smack in the middle. Actually, it's on the 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 better side of the middle. Northwestern at Illinois.
1: Go, cats. um Uh, for the last time hey listen last year last year both of these teams went into this game winner got a bowl game loser did not get a bowl game and Illinois beat them in Northwestern Um, Illinois uh, has given up this game this home game to be at Soldier Field this game is being played at Soldier Field so senior day is taking place at Soldier Field which is weird the athletic director that put this together is gone, as is the coach. So it's kind of a He's weird
2: game. Run. He's now writing loans with uh, Ron Zook in Florida.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a weird game. But this is a bowl-eligible game for Illinois. I am sad to say I've been uh, – I think I've picked every Northwestern game wrong all year because I keep thinking they're not as good as they are. It's probably time for me to give as much as I would love to see Illinois get in a bowl game and play in Detroit or somewhere. I think the old, this will be the last Mike Thomas, former athletic director, mistake for Illinois. Putting this game at Soldier Field will cost Illinois this game and a bowl bid. so I'm picking Northwestern.
2: You know, every time I pick the Illinois, all six times they've lost, so I'm picking Northwestern.
0: Good man, good man. Yeah, and I'm going to do the same thing, and it's not because I haven't wanted Illinois to win, mainly for you because I understand the fandom. I think what I'm going to do it's like if you go to Vegas and your team's playing and you bet on the other team just that way. If your team wins, you don't mind losing the money. So you know, yeah. and all all that kind of junk. You're so hedging. I'm going to pick, yeah, yeah. I'm going to hedge my bets and pick Northwestern.
1: I, we appreciate your support.
0: All right, uh, the Egg Bowl. And, you know, I said last week that
2: I, I thought Arkansas probably was a little hotter team. than Mississippi State going into that game yeah, because it's Arkansas. Something wacky is going to happen, and it's going to be close to the end of the game. And you always. You always go with the best player on the field, and I was right. You know, Ole Miss is one of that. They're there, that team that, as long as they're on their meds, you know, they, you want to hang out with them. And they get off their meds, boy, they are a show to be around. <laughs> if if we're the worst eight eight and three team in the nation, they are the most jack-on-the-hide Hide eight and three team in the nation for how they've lost. That being said, I like Dak Prescott to to carry Mississippi State through. That's a home game for them. I think he carries it through, and he makes his case. We're going to New York for the Hodgman Ceremony.
1: Yeah, I want to go with Prescott. I love him. He's, he's so entertaining, and he's such a good player. I just think Mississippi has too much talent, so I'm going to Ole Miss.
0: Too much talent? Brandon Allen threw for seven touchdowns last week and lost against Dak Prescott. So because of that, I'm going to pick Mississippi State.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: All right, um, Florida State at Florida. Wow, I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's a weird one because Florida State doesn't feel like A nine and two team, they seem like they'd be better. And Florida doesn't feel like a 10 and one team. They feel like they should be worse.
1: Yeah, I got to say, I find Florida State very unconvincing. (laughs) I find them a very, I think it's a weak year for the ACC. And uh, I know that we're all on the heels of what would have been a pretty amazing Florida Atlantic win, let's all admit. Uh, I I think that everyone's so down on Florida that I think they rise up and I think they win this game. Actually, a little easier than we think and get a little momentum going into the SEC championship game.
0: I think FSU wins big. I'm with you, Tony, because I believed what Jim McElwain said as he described his team as a bunch of cold, dead fish after the game last week. So I'm going to go with FSU. I don't think you can get that cold, dead fish smell off your hands in one week.
1: He's entertaining. He's an entertaining guy, i got to say.
0: Yeah, I'm trying so hard not to like him as a Florida coach. <laughs> My God,
2: he's so funny. He is funny.
0: All right, the couple a couple games ago, I didn't even have to list the teams. I just said Egg Bowl. This one, I'll say Bedlam.
1: Okay, so I thought we already did it on Northwestern.
2: <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, if I hadn't seen Oklahoma State just like, just horrible, just really uh, head-scratchingly bad against Baylor last week, I would have said I was all over Oklahoma State. But then I went back and looked at the schedule. They've really struggled. I mean, they, they beat TCU. Uh, that was the game Boykin got hurt. You know, they scored a bunch of points against Texas Tech, but Texas had scored a bunch of points. But then the Iowa State game, who got whose coach got fired last week. They barely won that game on the road. they barely beat Texas on the road. They barely beat Kansas State. Yeah. You, know, you know, I thought Oklahoma State was was poised to do something great this season. You know, now I'm I'm convinced Oklahoma's gonna win this game.
1: I certainly think Oklahoma's better, but it feels like too many people are Too high on Oklahoma. And also, do we know if the quarterback's okay? Do we know that yet? I don't know if we even know uh, Baker Mayfield, if he's going to be healthy, uh, if he's going to be ready to play that game. I am going against what I think is actually the right pick. I'm actually picking Oklahoma State in this game, if just to have even more chaos.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State as well. I don't think Baker Mayfield is cleared just yet. I, I tend to think he will play, but Oklahoma State... Seem, I mean, they're putting up a lot of points. Yeah, they're giving up a lot, but I think the fact that it's at home and the fact that they lost last week, I think they're going to say, hey, this is the one way we can save our season and wreck Oklahoma Oklahoma State wins. Texas A&M at LSU. This should be interesting.
1: <laughs> Do you guys think Miles, even if he wins this game, is fired? I, I just think that buyout's so huge.
0: From what I've read, I think it is. I think it's a kind of riding on the wall.
1: I mean, it's like $15 million before you even hire the next coach.
0: They just lost their number one recruit, their quarterback coming in for next year, Felipe Franks out of Texas, and he just decommitted.
1: Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, but At this point, then, fine. (laughs) Texas A&M, it's falling apart over there. That's falling apart. What Georgia had is not falling apart. That's falling apart.
2: I think the Tigers win big.
1: (laughs) Bless your heart.
2: Well, uh, by the way, mad props. You said it right. That was awesome.
0: I'm getting there. I think the fact that they're at home and their backs against the wall, and Les Miles doesn't care, and he's about to make $15 million to not work. I mean, who wouldn't mm-hmm. be, you know, <laughs> rising up in that occasion? So I'm going to pick LSU. All right. All right. Here's our next game that we can say with one word the Iron Bowl.
1: Okay. Again, I thought we already did Illinois Northwestern. <laughs> uh,.
2: Alabama by 1,000.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm I not sure how much Alabama is going to win by, but I do think it requires being noted in scientific notation.
0: Did you pick Alabama, or is that just a statement of some sort?
1: That's Yeah, scientific notation is a way to get really big numbers with a lot of zeros. I'll go with Alabama.
0: I didn't take that class at Georgia. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking Alabama, obviously, but the main reason I want Alabama to win, and I would love for them to just post a score, is because I'm kind of new to Twitter, and the thing I love most about Twitter are the memes about the Gus bus on fire after Auburn loses. And I think that a lot of Tony's buddies like uh, Dog Fan 1980 and Bernie Dog and a couple of those other guys have pulled out the, you know, they've found buses that are on fire and they post them on Twitter afterwards. And they're just the greatest thing ever when they say the Gus bus is on fire. So I'm going to pick Alabama.
1: I like that. I like the, the As Bryce Harper put it, May Mays. Is that what they're called? How do
0: you pronounce it? They're memes. memes.
1: They're memes, but Bryce okay. Harper called it a may-may when he was on the uh, when he, was on Sports <laughs> Center. he really? Yeah, he did. That's why he said. Because oh. he said he was afraid to, uh, to respond to questions sometimes because he didn't want to get turned into a may-may, which, of course, <laughs> is going to get him turned into which, of course, is the worst thing he could have what? possibly said.
0: That's his white-trap Nevada heart. Tony, will you promise me that you will, if Auburn does go on, down in flames, will you find, like, a new version of a flaming gust bus? see what time's that game the game kicks off at three thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should be home by
2: then yeah i'll I'll try to find a burning a burning gust bus may may
0: okay all right and that uh that's the last one leading up to good clean old fashioned hate
2: you know the hard part about this game is that even when either team has been quote unquote down, it hasn't mattered a lot. I mean Georgia's won big, Georgia Tech's won a couple. I think the deciding factor in this game is it feels like to me, George Tech's team is quit on Paul Johnson. Um uh, and it's not they aren't playing mostly hard. I mean they still put up yards, but you know, we played an option team and actually held them hundred and forty five yards below their season average and held them what, twenty uh close to twenty points below the season average scoring. I just feel like we pre- we are prepared for this game. You know, I'm still not confident or we're gonna roll up a bunch of points, but it feels like this could be a South Carolina type game where Lambert gets on track and and really kind of kinda makes us all like, where was this all season? Um, you know, we're not gonna score forty points, but it wouldn't surprise me if we put up in the upper twenties and, you know, hold tech down ten or fourteen um and, and win fairly big. That's a four-point spread, and I feel like we cover fairly easily.
1: Uh, I'm not quite sold on the Lambert idea, uh, obviously, but <laughs> uh, I do think that uh, I think Georgia Tech is kind of done. I don't even think they're really up for this game that much, and they're really just not that great. I don't think Georgia's going to have to do a lot in this game, frankly, because you know the thing that people traditionally struggle with with, with Georgia Tech is the thing that. Georgia just dealt with last week against Georgia Southern, who is a a much better team than Georgia Tech. So I'm picking, uh, as well as you, Georgia big.
0: Well, the last time that Georgia lost to Georgia Tech previous uh, last year was in 2008 when Georgia was up big at halftime, and then I think it was Roddy Jones, or I don't even know who was playing, but basically just rattled off a bunch of touchdowns. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to say. (laughs) But the year after 2008, we won in Atlanta and started our own new little streak again. And in that game, if you remember, it was Washon Ely and Caleb King that dominated on the ground. The we run the state game. Yes, that is where we came up with the term, we run this state. Joe Cox threw for 76 yards and a touchdown and had a QBR of 52. So I think... I think that that's going to kind of, and we won thirty to twenty four. It wasn't a blowaway. so I kind of feel like this is what's going to happen. Our defense is going to play well enough. They might get a gift touchdown on a special teams blunder, but I do think that the that Sony and maybe Brandon Douglas, who knows? Maybe we'll see a Quavon Hicks. A uh, couple of you know, maybe he'll get fifty yards or something. But I do think we will dominate this on the ground and win with our defense late, and it's going to be a nail biter. But Georgia will pull it out thirty to twenty four
1: and then and then we're off to what is it i think the general assumption is the music city bowl right
2: i think it depends on what happens this week and that's the, hard, that's the hardest part about the way the SEC bowls work is that uh, – and we're still trying to get Tom McGinnis, who is the chairman of the Camping World Independence Bowl, to come on with us next week to talk uh, talk about bowl selection. But the hardest part about it is the, basically the league slots everybody below the Citrus Bowl, basically from the Citrus Bowl down to the Birmingham BBVA Bowl. And they really do try to match up fan bases that are going to travel well with certain – with certain – um, bowls because they, they they value those bowls, and the thing is is that Nashville is dead in the middle of SEC country, and that bowl is going to always be an SEC bowl. So they don't care as much about getting crowds there. Uh, they they actually try to they actually worry a little more about the ACC team. So the reason a lot of people are picking us there is because they think we're not going to travel well. Um, in the same way that LSU and Notre Dame, they didn't think LSU was going to travel great last year.
0: I think it's going to be a matchup in the Gator Bowl against Northwestern. Now, am, am I excited about that? Not at all, but I think that's what's cool going
1: to happen. <laughs> uh, man, I, I, I have been uh, uh, living in Athens for two and a half years, and I will never root harder for Georgia than I would
2: in yeah. <laughs> that game. Well, we'll go to that game. We'll go. It's, <laughs> It'll be it's awesome. an hour for my parents. We'll go.
1: <laughs> all right, guys. Well, hey, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody.
2: Thank you very much, uh and y'all too. I've got a turkey to fry and a ham to cook, so yeah, what are y'all having for Thanksgiving? traditional fried, fried turkey and a ham
1: nice do you do you, do, you, do you deep fat fry the turkey?
2: I don't I have an infrared fryer Oh, okay, I, I cheat yeah, we, infrared well I also have a, I also have I also have a regular turkey fryer, but it's uh the the infrared fryer is actually it tastes exactly like a fried turkey and I don't have to deal with five gallons of peanut oil.
1: I'm uh, I'm just hoping that Panera doesn't close early so I can pick up. That's what you're doing, right?
2: You're,
0: you're going to Panera? <laughs> no, I'm
1: just kidding. No.
2: no, we're not going to
1: Panera.
2: <laughs> That's the saddest Thanksgiving I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> no, our family always, we were the uh, the the uh, the trashy, uh, farm family that uh, you see in the YouTube videos of when the deep fat fryer explodes on Thanksgiving <laughs> and pulls every, everybody it never blew up but it was probably close It was just a bunch of drunk uh, Midwesterners uh, uh, c- complaining about uh, Illinois basketball around a uh, boiling fat fryer of a, tur- of a turkey that was that was my growing up experience so yeah, it w- didn't even have to be Thanksgiving it could just be a Tuesday. <laughs>
0: Sounds spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually pretty yeah. fun. Scott, what are y'all having? Well, I was gonna I was gonna go into some kind of dissertation on what we were doing, but after that story, I'm gonna just stay stay kind of quiet on that. I, <laughs> I can't I can't top that. So we're we're gonna have turkey, I guess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great one, <laughs> everyone, and thanks everyone for for listening. I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving out there too.
0: Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thanks for listening to our show. This is the last week of the WSLS Podcast Pick'em Contest, so get your picks in as there are a handful of Friday games on this week's schedule. The overall lead should be settled by Saturday evening as Polar Shark is hanging on to a precarious 10-point lead over the likes of J.A. Heigel, Wed Flat Rock, and, you guessed it, our favorite dog in New York City, UGA Carey. She is only 12 points off the lead, so stay tuned. As for how the three of us have done, well, not so great. For me, at least, as I'm sitting in 78th place. Will is in 44th place with 698 points, and Tony and his Matrix is lurking a mere 16 points behind Will. However, in another interesting turn, Tony's buddy and friend of the show, Bernie Dog, is in a dead heat with Mr. Waller. So the strategery between those two as they make their final selections should be as interesting to watch as that Kentucky-Louisville game this week. Should you want to get in touch with the show, our Twitter handle is at WSLS podcast. Individually speaking, Will can be found at William F. Leach. Tony is at Tyler Dogden. And my Twitter handle is at Jawavi Films. Finally, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. Other places you can hear this podcast are on SoundCloud and via the Georgia sports blog. Again, happy Thanksgiving. And as always go dogs.